Welcome to the Oxcala Podcast by University of Oxford South Asian Art Society. This is your host, Shishir Rao. This is episode 11. Thoughts on performance, the guru, and the disciple. In the previous episode, Dr. Arun Dravid and I have discussed concepts such as fidelity to the raga and understanding the place of the composition in the world of Hindustani Kayal. While it's important to stay true to the raga's grammar, it's often under question, what is this fidelity? How can this fidelity be best conducted in performance? Since raga grammar is an embodiment of rules manifested by musicians over the past many generations, there's also room to breathe, also room to improvise within this rigid structure. Thus, I guess striking the balance would be to adhere to the structure as much as one can, but also breathing and improvising within the structure and creating something of a little niche in this structure, something which... Arunji's guru, Kishori Amunkarji, did with extreme care and did very beautifully. Now we've looked at raga and composition. Now coming coming to the actual presentation, and we also spoke about a little bit about presentation. I have a I have a just a general question about what one should prepare before the concert and what one should envision. Is there a hierarchy, a framework one should envision? Do you have rules as to what should govern your thinking pre-concert and in the moment of the concert? I think that's the question. Uh, from the experience I have with my own concert experience and also from uh, the way I have seen uh, many musicians operate, I do not believe that they, uh, they do a planning of uh, the concert presentation ahead of time. Uh, to, to any to any extensive uh, way. Um, for example, let's say a concert is coming up and that you're planning three ragas to be presented at the concert. Maybe a week or two before then, apart from your normal delirias, you're beginning to focus more on those three or four ragas that you have in mind to present and spend more time every day uh, in, in exploring, or let's say, practicing. Uh, but, uh, but at the same time, it is not like you in mentally create a little a notepad with a paper and pencil to say, okay, seven minutes of uh, going from sa to, you know, and then the next 10 minutes going from mer to the next nishad or devat, and, and then, okay, three more minutes in doing some uh, bowl alap into laikari and this. I don't think I don't believe that this kind of a of a preparation pre-planning is done for our, in our system of music by by almost any musician. Yes. Uh, this may be required of those maybe they you know in the amateur stage uh, if they are for the first time going to to go on a stage and present something to to, to an audience for the first time in their life maybe their their guru sits with them and say hey okay you have half an hour to present something focus on first 10 minutes only on these notes from sa to pa pa to ni and then next 5 minutes to this and that so uh, the student very uh, um, <laughs> methodically follows the guru's instructions and prepares those exactly right and then that's exactly what's like a carbon copy produced 
but no, that's not the way uh, normal concert preparations are. They they are just a little more polish achieved in the in the two weeks prior to the concert day. Uh, but other than that, it is still improvised. Still, pretty much you you play minute to minute, sing minute to minute, and oftentimes this is governed uh, so much by the uh, reaction by the feedback or the body language of the audience which is in front of you okay it's it's often that the body language of the audience guides you into how you want to develop your journey from the beginning to the end of that rag and it it brings out from in it, it brings out uh, um, let's say uh, uh, brilliant on the spot improvisation of pieces of the phrases that are uh, that are essentially a reaction to the or counter reaction to the reaction of the audience and and so here there is there is no relevance or reference left to what you might have prepared in the last two weeks for the for that track so it, it's a, it's an it's a it's a completely completely improvised on the spot rendering of uh, of your overall preparation of, of there are absolutely I, I think I think that's a that's a very that, that that's a very elaborate answer uh, um, on you know the more and the improvisational nature of our music you know one cannot call it an improvisational music indeed if you if you go minute to minute in your preparation exactly. Exactly. You know, what, what, what would that what would that leave you on the day <laughs> and I think um, another another uh, angle of this question is in in the moment of the concert, as you said, um, w once in a while maybe the audience you know reacts to something uh, interesting, and that's beautiful. I have a question now, extending this point you made. Um, there are reasonable bounds, right, for being reactionary, as in um, when a musician sits on stage, not everything she or he presents is. To gain the was, gain the kiabates, bodaches of the of the crowd, right? Like how, what, to what degree is should that mental stability remain? That I am going to do what I'm going to do, and maybe once in a while engage with the audience. Is there some kind of framework for this? Uh, maybe in Alap, for example, I will be just with myself. I want to be in trance state. For Thans and Tihais and etc. etc. I will I will engage with the audience. Is, is there some kind of thinking or rationalization that you've come to, personally, subjectively, of course? Well, <clears throat> I, I, I do not really believe that you, you present your khayal uh, or your rag uh, from the beginning to its planned, let's say, end. I don't believe that you do or you should present it with the objective of getting the wahwa ah. reactions from the audience. Reactions should follow what you're doing rather than you create something with the objective of achieving the wahwa or the other reactions. So what comes first and what comes second? This is important. Um, in the process of your, your, your uh, improvisation of the rag in the process of your own uh, competent uh, presentation of that rag, you will inevitably get the spontaneous reactions from the audience. Huh. But you do not sing with that objective in mind that I will now have to sing this phrase 
to get that audience reaction. No, no, that that would not happen, should not happen. And I don't believe in 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 most good singers that, that that's the approach. Uh, these, these are absolutely spontaneous reactions, and they happen spontaneously. And uh, well, it is it is pleasing to the artist to to hear that reaction, uh, but it is it is it is not uh, it, it is not the end goal. It, it is just the flow of uh, thinking and flow of the audience reaction it just happens without any planning for it. I, I, I completely agree. But um, I, another way would be of phrasing this. Would you think it's appropriate to phrase it in the way that when you're presenting a raga, pretend that there's no audience in front of you? Or is that going too far? If, if you say you, you close your eyes and pretend as though uh, there is uh, no uh, audience in front of you, and you simply sing as if you are doing your own sadhana of, of sorts. Mm. Um, it may happen for 10 minutes um, because you may be focused on getting, getting your, your voice, the stability of the voice, and, and create that the mood of the rag you are going to sing in your mind in a, in a completely dispassionate, detached from the audience manner. And I remember Kishoritai often did that. First five, ten minutes when she began a rag, oftentimes were with closed eyes and simply getting into the mood of the rag, at which time she did not need the audience in front of her. She just wanted to be one with the mood of the rag and and throw herself into the mood of the rag. Once that happened, then the eyes would open and then awareness of the audience. However, if she did that through the entire performance and completely forgot that there is audience in front of her, that, that also would not have created the best music for her. Interesting. The best in you comes out only when there is a, uh, uh, let's say, a prompting from the audience, not necessarily verbally prompting, but just the body language, just the expressions on the listeners' faces, uh, it's, it's a big tonic to any artist, any, any musician on the stage. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so take that out and then what left, what's left, I don't think will really be such enchanting piece of presentation as you might with the audience presence. That's a very interesting answer. One, because actually um, I, was, I was deluded I, I thought that actually Kishoritai would keep that that oneness with the rag detached uh, sense uh, from the audience uh, through a majority of her performance. But no, uh, in in your eyes, it was for a crucial amount of time, a necessary amount of time. And after that necessary amount of time, where she's you know found the raga, she is soaked in the raga. She now engages yeah. with the she has to choir. engage with the audience she has to relate to the audience engage with the audience um, because the presence of an audience is a, is a part and parcel of the success of an entire concert thank you for ad addressing the question so eloquently Arunji. as as a listener based on what you've just said what do you identify as traits of maturity in a singer 
can we define maturity? Is that very open-ended? If it's open-ended, of course, we, we can, we can uh, limit the space of it. And we could talk about maybe uh, maturity in alap or maturity in presenting the actual composition. But in general, is there, are there traits of maturity you'd like to see in singers? And that gives you confidence in, 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 in them, that you'd like to listen to them or you, you enjoy listening to them. Well, you know, this is a rather subjective question. Um, what is my, what is my, when I look for uh, in an artist, maybe different from what you might look for or someone else might look for. Uh, so my answer would be limited to my perception of what I think I might look for. Of course. Um, you know, when you listen to an artist, and sometimes for the first time, within the first 10 minutes, you are, you, you have, you can gauge him uh, as, to, as to his level of maturity, level of training, level of thinking, uh, and, you know, how much Sadhanite might have gone into what he's going to sing or what he is singing. Uh, and that's, I mean, you, you it simply, it, it bears itself. The, how, how he applies his sound, how he applies his voice. Is there any akar in in uh, his uh, uh, exposition? Is the the way he is doing his uh, movements from, let us say, one note to the next? Uh, does that does that look polished? Does that is there a stability? Is his voice wavering? Is his uh, accuracy? Does he is he landing on the note accurately? Uh, Etc. There are there are these traits that you look for, and and those traits tell you right away that here is a seasoned, seasoned, well-trained artist, or no, is an amateur, is got some some uh, time to develop. Uh, so this, this is what you you look for. At that stage, uh, you you don't really look necessarily to how fast can he sing his tan, or how uh, how how he's, he he. Uh, Masters his uh, duets with the tabla. Uh, these are these are uh, issues of techniques, uh, but the first exposure to application of the voice, how he opens his uh, beginning phrases of a rag, they tell you the whole story of you know where his sadhana or his training has reached, and you can make a judgment. Absolutely. No, that, 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 that follows. That follows. Yes, switching gears just slightly, but still on the concept of sadhana and the, the concept of uh, training. I'm sure uh, I, I definitely very much enjoyed uh, your presentation, your acting, and your, and your music in, in the movie The Disciple. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and one interesting note, actually, before I, before I ask a question about, about the movie and, and your general thoughts, um, I found actually that a lot of my friends who are not Hindustani classical musicians or Karnatic or Drupad resonated with it very, very deeply. Going back to abstracting away things, it abstracted away the concepts perhaps of Hindustani music, but still generally presented a, uh, a story about art and, and the concept of guru and student, uh, teacher and student, teacher disciple, which I think very many people found beautiful. On that point specifically, what, are, what is the role of a guru? In, in your eyes, what position does a guru play in, in, in the disciple's life? And it, given that the disciple is steadfast, committed to the program, committed to the gurukul, 
to the study of whatever art it could be music it could be something else painting as you were saying earlier but what is the what is the role of the guru and is it different perhaps in in different stages of the student's life in the different stages of the student's progression of of the art form or please uh, it's a, again another very open-ended question if you'll forgive me uh, and very subjective as well of course but uh, i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah <clears throat> the answer would be really uh, depending on uh, the this the disciple the, the students uh, place in it in, in his or his or her path uh, from the beginning and <clears throat> it's a very beginner student very beginner uh, I'm not saying uh, mu not musically inclined musically inclined but uh, but a beginner one's approach can be somewhat different from the approach with a student who is well into it for several years. Hmm. And, and, and the same guru cannot, obviously has to change his own approach to teaching or guiding. Uh, a teacher has to morph into a guide over the life of a student. Uh, and, and the guru, therefore, guru's own uh, role in developing his pupil uh, has to change over the development of that pupil. Um, as, the, as the student achieves more and more uh, command over not just the ragas and the bandishes, but, but his, his understanding of music, his... Uh, uh, general view of what are the aesthetics in music. Mm. As it be begins to develop, uh, the, the guru has to start taking a macro view of what should be in front of the student after that point. Not the micro view. The micro view of what is the rag, what is the bandage, what is the aroha, aroha, what are the key phrases, this and that. That's all now done. That's behind. Uh, regardless, regardless of whether a, a rag has so far been taught or not taught, even if you take a new rag, the very basic concepts are, are done by then. But then beyond that, uh, the guru then has to play the role of making the, the disciple take the macro view of, let's say, the emotion of the rag macro view of the spirituality, that has to be a basis of, of any rag that he or she sings. Mm. The, the whole objective of surrendering, so-called quote-unquote surrendering, that's what Kishore Ipai often used to say, surrender before the, the sur. Uh -huh. The sur is your master. Don't think you are the master of the sur. Now, this kind of thinking and this kind of a uh, realization is the is the stage in, in in a more advanced level of a student and so the guru has to start taking uh, this kind of a macro view of what are the values in music how much emphasis do you produce do you give to acrobatic movements of your tans and uh, your jugal bandhis with the tal and uh, 
any gimmickry that you might be tempted to do uh, and then sort of guide you away from such shall i say aspects of momentary pleasure in singing mm-hmm. and guide the student to a little little more serene and and grander view of what music is all about what the real values in music are so he his role changes as the student develops so guru on day 1 can't be the same guru on 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 let's say year 10 or year 15 that that makes a lot of sense in in my own in my own st- uh, journey as a student um uh, my my guruji would focus on different elements when i was you know in more infant stages of my development of hindustani and and those um, those elements which he focused on has changed as as time right. as time went on um you i'd like to touch upon something you just said very briefly uh and i liked it very much i'd like to ask you more about that um you said um that as the as the student matures as the student grows progresses in the study of music um the the aspects of the raga emotion the raga spirituality and the um the direction to the student to stay away from more uh, immediate beauties uh, gimmickries such as that or or jugulbandis with the tal as you put it um this is this is taught to the student how 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 can one show this to the student first of all does is it something which comes innate in the student it's a it's a trait of the student which a guru can only uh, teach if the trait emerges emerges from the student or could you actually show the student the right path well i think uh, some of these traits uh... are seen by the guru in his in the development of his student in the in the, in the early years hmm. uh, the guru does begin to get a sort of let's say a sixth sense hmm. about does this student have a uh, an innate view which is which is beyond the the practical gimmickries and practical uh, shall i say uh, temptations to impress uh with virtuosity uh and or does does this does does the student show a curiosity uh an inquisitive mind as to for example i give you the example of shrutis place of shrutis in arar hmm. now you don't begin to uh teach the place of shrutis in arar too early in a student's career I mean, he's, he's got many, many years to go before, but then uh, you can begin to tell, and the student, by the way, the student is a good, sharp, bright student. The student, he or she, himself or herself, begins to see those traits in the guru, and begins to imitate them or absorb them. And the guru observes that he or she is absorbing those traits, and then. then the guru's drive mm. to to uh, to guide that student even further along those lines intensifies so it's a uh, it's a, it's a guru also who has to do some silent observation of the traits and hopefully the traits are innate into the student this cannot be taught shishir they they have to be there has to be some element of those born with you if they are not then a time comes when the the guru really gets frustrated and say hey you know i think this is where you are going to remain 
So it's, it's time we call it a day. Um, so that, that can happen. It does happen from time to time in any guru's life. That's just the way of life. Absolutely. No, that, that, that does follow. In, in your eyes, again, it's a subjective question, so please bear with me. Uh, what, what is the duty of a student in, 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 this, in this relationship? Is it uh, something which is like unmoving fidelity to the guru and the teachings of the guru? Or should, um, like, a, like, like a student in a classroom, should the student ask questions, even uh, go as far as question the guru? when she or he does not understand something only to learn something or should it should, should it be more um a passive learning where even though you don't understand at the moment you listen to whatever the guru says without questioning and the wisdom will come to you if it does at some point in the future well uh, my own uh, attitude to teaching is uh, an open attitude where I encourage um, my students to question me, encourage, question uh, the why of what is being taught, uh, rather than just blind, just have blind devotion to a guru. Yes. Uh, devotion to guru is fine. I mean, I appreciate that. You should have respect. You should have that that attitude to say, hey, there is something you have come to take from the Guru. And uh, you got to respect that. But devotion does not mean slavery. And I, 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 did, I draw a line between devotion to a Guru and uh, it's extreme uh, that sort of morphs into slavery and blind, unthinking slavery. Oh. And that is that is not good for any student, any disciple. Um, and by the way, it does not please the ego of even the best of gurus. Uh, if if I begin to see that my student is simply becoming so subservient, or at least pretending to be so subservient, uh, then I do not quite appreciate that. I, I like awareness. I like the lively inquisitiveness which makes me feel that this 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 person is thinking and absorbing something after thinking is much better than trying to absorb it without thinking blindly because if guru is giving it giving it to me i just blindly close my eyes and take it unquestioned no questions asked i do not i mean i do not encourage that I mean, there are some people who do that, but I, I like people who would, from time to time, not all the time, you know, <laughs> go on a war, war with the guru on every single thing. But from time to time, question, uh, you know, the logic of what's being taught, or the where is the aesthetic in this? How do I look for making it sound a little more beautiful? Uh, why do you think this makes it more beautiful, but not that? Uh, so some of these give and take questions and answers with Guru are very healthy, very healthy to the student's development. It is also good for the Guru because some of these students will come up with questions which you have to scratch your head and say, oh my goodness, you know what? I never thought of that, but I'll, let's discuss it next time. I'll think about it. So a Guru has to be open-minded. 
in admitting his or her own shortcomings. No one is perfect. No one is, no one is uh, uh, omnipotent in, in terms of knowledge. Um, so, uh, so that's the way the journey between a guru and a disciple has to go. That's, that's very succinctly again put, but very eloquently put. I'm still a student. So it's just, it's just reminding me of that. And yes, my, my Guruji indeed does, uh, does love the questions. Um, but yes, it, it, it's, it's, it's a problem. Sometimes the natural question answering is, as you might've felt in this interview, might get a bit uh, more aggressive. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but that's welcome. That's welcome. You know, being inquisitive and aggressive is better than being absolutely dead silent and, and uh, just, just becoming a slave. Uh, and that's and I like that you've put that in one sentence now. If I could take that sentence and put quotes around it and post it on a website, I would because people don't know this. I, I, right now, I'm in a PhD, and a lot of issues between PhD supervisor and PhD student is actually very similar. Um, very similar. Yes, I I want I, I I was once a PhD student myself, so I exactly know what you're saying. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure you're you've been in my shoes. Absolutely, yes. exactly. Yes. And um, subservience is often found in many PhD labs, uh, you know, whatever the supervisor says, and it's, it's problematic. It does not lead to growth. And I, I, I'm so happy you've said this out loud that you, you have to have scientific inquiry inside you. Scientific inquiry is the basic premise of a good research worker and a good student in the end. I, 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 I completely agree. <laughs> I have no, no questions about that. I indubitably agree with that statement. Um, just to finally finish it off, going back to the movie, The Disciple, to, to, to ask one last question. And it might have, you might have already said it in the last, uh, the last question and the previous questions about the relationship between guru and disciple. But if there's something from that movie, that actual film, the actual screenplay that a student can take out of, what would it be? Or rather, is there is there an important lesson for us students, basically, in that film? Well, uh, the, the the film really portrays the struggle of a young music music student in in the uh, prevailing socio economic state of life. But my, I, I'm saying that in a way, uh, you know, cinema c cinematic success is different from whether the movie or the film tells a, uh, a lasting uh, positive message or not. Now, my, my feeling is that a student has to go uh, beyond the message of this, this film and not get discouraged by the fact that, oh, this is all gloom and doom. I have no hope left in my life to become a musician. That's not the message that the film is trying to portray, I believe it should not. It's simply giving uh, a factual reality show for uh, what might be a one person's life history in music. This is not a general message for all music uh, students of all ages at all times. No, not at all. Uh, learn from the film, mm -hmm. the fact that it's a, it's a hard struggle, but don't give up. That is what uh, the hero of the film, Sharad, is trying to show that, of course, his own limitations finally prevent him from going where he would like to go. Uh, but uh, lack of hard work, not failure, 
is the call. So don't be discouraged by failure. But if you have lack of hard work trying to achieve success, then that's not good. That's very beautifully put, Arunjeev. Yes. As with all things, uh, hard work should definitely come first. With that, I believe that's an inspiring place to stop for this interview, Arunji. In this interview, we've discussed very many beautiful aspects of performance, how to prepare for one's performance, and how to conduct oneself whilst in performance itself. And additionally, we also discussed the duty or the responsibility of the guru and the relationship between guru and disciple, as well as the responsibility of the disciple, naturally touching upon your work and your acting and your singing in the movie The Disciple. Thank you for also bringing up the fact that it's difficult in this modern world to succeed as a kayalia, but it's important to try hard and work hard. Thank you very much, Arunji, for joining us on this podcast episode. Thank you very much for having me, Shishir. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you today. And uh, my equally profound thanks to Oxkala uh, for uh, arranging this podcast. And I hope uh, this will send a good message to listeners and people who will watch. Thank you. Most definitely, Arunji. Thank you again for your time. This is Oxkala Podcast.